today's message is, and just a little bit about myself, I guess, if you don't know who I am, um, raised on a farm, we had 1,400 pigs, don't ever want to do that again, <laughs> became a nurse, did that for 20 years, and now I do real estate, and that's just me. But here's the thing, the most important point of that is, through that time, God has walked with me. So that's who I am. My jobs are just jobs. That's what they are. So, okay. So today's message is called, No One Can Snatch You Out of His Hand, But You Can Drunk, Jump. Um, and it's about gaining true freedom. So one of the things that when I originally was, was talking to Jeff and he is asking about it, and I just felt this laid on my heart because we had just done the Freedom Series. And so the Freedom Series is really all about that. It's becoming free in Christ. And, but then to go further than that, when I studied it out, I was like, there's so much more to this that I just felt like I needed to share. Um, in Romans, I guess first thing I should say is what we need to do is help our, ourselves understand who God is and that he exists. So I have a couple of stories today that are about perspective, because perspective is very, very important. Um, Romans 1.20 says, since the creation of the world, invisible realities, God's et um, eternal power and divinity have become visible, recognized through the things that he has made. Therefore, these men are inexcusable which means God is everywhere, and our perception to see him is vital to that. Because people who deny the existence of God have a serious problem. So, so no one can actually deny that existence because God is in every reality of it. And so I once heard a story about two doctors, and I hope I can do this justice. These two college students, is where it starts, were roommates. And... They both were in pre-med, and they both became doctors, and they both went through college together, went through school together, side by side, and they both decided to do surgical practices, so they became surgeons. Through that process, the two became less and less like each other. They, didn't, they were still friends. They were both good men. They were both honorable, good men. And in the end, they were having a conversation one day, and the one surgeon looks at the other and he says, you know, I've decided there is no God because we have learned through all this time that the body is a machine. Look at what we do. We take out the bad and we sew people up and they're better. And the, and the other one just sat there for a moment and looking at him, he's like, well, really? Okay, but here's the thing. He says to him, he says, my belief is that there is a God because without him, we are just a seamstress. There is no healing without God. So to me, it's a vital perspective thought process. You can take the perspective. Every one of us in our lives can be walking along and something can happen and we can take a perspective 
of it. And it's through our life's view, through our viewpoint, that all of a sudden you will start thinking, well, you know, this is because of this. And it's our perspective, but it's not God's perspective. Okay, so we have to be very careful on that. So perspective counts. Um, and I always share this story, and you guys, have, I'm sure you've, you've heard me talk about it, you've heard of this before too, but there's another one that I really enjoy that talks about perspective, and it is called Does God Exist? So I'm going to repeat it, even up, I repeat it most of the times I'm up here, because it's just powerful. Um, it's about a man who went to the barbershop. Okay, so in this room, how many people have had a haircut? Right? Pretty much everybody, right? And so this is really about going to the barber. So a man went to the barber to have his hair cut and his beard trimmed. And they were talking, and they were talking about every subject under the, you know, under the sky. And all of a sudden, God comes up, and the barber kind of does the same things. He's like, I don't believe that God exists. And the gentleman says, well, why do you say that? He says, well, you just have to go out into the street, look around, and realize that God doesn't exist. Because you can see people that are hurting, that are abandoned, that are struggling. And if God existed, there would neither be suffering nor pain. He says, I can't imagine a loving God who would allow suffering or pain. So the customer just sat there, didn't say a word. Didn't know what to say. So, didn't want to start an argument with the barber. Didn't want a bad haircut. <laughs> so, then, the barber finished, and the customer got up and left. He's walking down the street. And just after, about, you know, just a little ways down the block, he looks over and he sees this man. And the man's homeless. And the man has long, dingy hair. And he has a long, straggly beard. And he's completely unkept. And he's thinking to himself, hmm. So now here's the thing. This is where perspective matters. He turned right around, and he walked back into the barber shop. And he looks at him, and he says, you know what? Barbers don't exist. And the barber shop says, bar the barber says, what? What are you talking about? I just cut your hair five minutes ago. He says, well, but I went outside. I walked down the street. I saw a man there who had unkept hair. He had a long, straggly beard. Clearly, barbers don't exist, or his hair would be trimmed. And the barber says, wait a minute. That's because he didn't come to me. And the man said, exactly. God exists, but when people don't come to him, that's what happens. It's about the perspective we have and that we want to walk through life with. It's a choice. And it's so, so vital. And so that part of it is just getting warmed up. Okay, so, so the next question I would have for you is, um, who is God to you? The scripture says um, that... Yeah, that basically God's so powerful that no one can snatch us from his hand. It says, John 10, 28, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. 
So God has been described. The other thing that I really appreciate about who God is um, is how we describe God. So the question I would have for you, and I actually, this is actually a question, so I really want you to raise your hand and answer, is who is God to you? Give me who God is, someone. Savior. Savior, wonderful. Deliverer, Deliverer. wonderful. Redeemer, wonderful. Loving Heavenly Father, Father. absolutely. Provider. Provider. Prince of Peace, Peace. I love it. You guys are doing awesome, okay? That is wonderful counselor. Source of light. Okay, have you ever researched it? I have here today, many of those things. It's a hundred names of God here, all backed by scripture. Okay? But here's what I think is amazing. I'm going to go back to the perspective for just a moment. And I'm going to read you these names because I want you to hear them. But perspective is really amazing to me because why are there a hundred names for God? You want to know why? Because my brain is not capable of understanding how amazing and beautiful and strong and powerful and the fathom of who God is. I do not have the capacity to truly understand. And even when I stand before God in heaven, I imagine I will be sitting there going, wow. Okay? So I'm going to read you these names just to give you more perspective because it's important. Um, And if anybody wants to know where these scriptures are, I'm not going to read them until, uh, I'm not going to read them, but (laughs) you're welcome to them, and I'll be glad to share. But in scripture, now these are the names of God, and when I say that, this is not just, this is about the Trinity. So it includes God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? He is an advocate. He's almighty, and it's alphabetical, which is fun. Alpha, Amen, angel of the Lord, anointed one, apostle, author and perfecter of our faith, beginning, bishop of our souls, branch, the bread of life, the bridegroom, the carpenter, the chief shepherd, the Christ, the comforter, the consolation of Israel, the cornerstone, the day spring, the day star, the deliverer, the desire of nations, Emmanuel, the end, everlasting father, faithful and true witness, First fruits, the foundation, the fountain, the friend of sinners, the gate of, for the sheep, the gift of God, God, glory of God, good shepherd, governor, great shepherd, the guide, the head of the church, the high priest, the holy one of Israel, the horn of salvation, the great I am, Jehovah, Jesus, king of Israel, king of kings, lamb of God, the last Adam, the life, the light of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now just, I'm only on L. This is because every time God interacted with a person, they brought forth an attribute to describe him. One small attribute to describe a great and mighty God. So that's clearly an amazing perspective. So we have to think about this. I mean, I really want you to pull this into your soul because it's so important. The Lord of Lords, the Master, the Mediator, the Messiah, the Mighty God, the Morning Star, the Nazarene, Omega, Passover Lamb, the Physician, the Potentate, the Priest, the Prince of Peace, the Prophet, the Propitiation, that's a tough one, 
the purifier, rabbi, ransom, redeemer, refiner, refuge, resurrection, righteousness, our rock, the root of David, the rose of Sharon, the ruler of God's creation, the sacrifice, the savior, the second Adam, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David, the seed of the woman, the servant, the shepherd, Shiloh, son of David, son of God, son of man, son of Mary, son of the most high, the stone, the son of righteousness, the teacher, the truth, the way, the wonderful counselor, the word, the vine. And then we get into the Old Testament, which is El, Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Makedesh, Jehovah Shalom, the shepherd, the judge, Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Shaboth, El Elyon, Abir, Kadosh, Shafat, El Roy, Kana, Palat, Yeshua, Gol, Magan, Stone, Ayuluth, Sadiq, all of these have definitions and are all names of who God is. Think about this. If I just gave you this list and said, how many have you experienced on this list? Okay. El Olam, I'm almost done, by the way. But it's a long list. And I want you to recognize that, because it's important. El Berith, El Gibor, Sur, uh, Melech, Father, Curios, Despotes, Theos, the Great I Am, Theotis, uh, Soter, the Word, the Almighty. That's the hundred. And that was just one quick research to show you who he is. So the reason that I'm bringing these perspectives to you and I want you to really kind of get a hold of this is because God's word says, back to John 10, 28, that I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. But you can jump. You don't have to stay in his hand. You can choose not to participate. You can choose to believe your perspective that says God doesn't exist. You can choose to be the barber. You can choose to be the surgeon that believes that God doesn't exist. You can choose it because God is not going to force himself upon you. That's not who he is. So... Ephesians, I'm going to talk about jumping right now. We're going to jump out of his hand. Ephesians 4.20 says, says, do not give the devil a chance to work on you. It says in Matthew 26.41, keep watch, pray, so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 1 John 1.7 says, if we repent, if we repent, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. If. It's a choice. So we need to really be open. And the one thing that I really loved about the Freedom Conference that we had a while back was that it actually made me think about how freedom works through Christ Jesus. Okay, it's easy to say, it really is, it's really easy to say, except Christ, everything is going to get better. Life is going to be good. You got no worries. Okay, here's my answer to that. If your life ended 
the second after you accepted Jesus, that would be true. But that's not life. You walk out the door, you're going to find a struggle. When you're sitting here, you might be thinking about a struggle that you have right now. You have to think about it. It happens. We're living a living life. So we need to be thinking about our perspective and what we're looking at and why we're looking that way. We also need to be thinking about things that actually scare me, which is how much time are we giving to God? Okay? So the word is clear. We, nobody can take us out of his hand, but we can. We have the choice. Um, John 8.34, and just for the record, I'm never highlighting in blue again. Okay, so, because so, I can't hardly read it up here because of the lights. But, okay, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. 2 Corinthians 7.10, indeed, now this is, this is our answer. Indeed, for the sorrow, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Indeed, sorrow for God's sake produces repentance without regrets leading to salvation, whereas worldly sorrow brings death. Okay, so this is a fun one for me because classic. Any parent out there has said to their children, Johnny, well, it's not Johnny, but whomever, Johnny, you apologize to your sister, right? Or brother. And Johnny walks over and goes, sorry. <laughs> Don't, you know, sorry. Do you think that counts? That's usually the response that we give. Do you think that counts? You didn't mean that. Okay, so the repentance side of this, of who God is, is about sorrow for God's sake, which means it's not, sorry, it's not what it is. It's about recognizing who he is and how we failed, and then actually having a change of heart actually being sorry. That's the difference, okay? So it's sorrow, and that's, that's why 2 Corinthians 7.10 is so important. Indeed, sorrow for God's sake produces repentance without regrets leading to salvation, whereas worldly sorrow brings death. So the brother to sister, sorry, doesn't cut it and never will, okay? Um, In Romans 2.4, it's just kind of a reminder of 2 Corinthians. It says, Do you presume on the kindness and forbearance? Do you not know that God's kindness is an invitation for you to repent? We can't presume because God is a loving, wonderful, truly awesome being that we are just instantly forgiven if we never ask for it. If we never change our heart and our perspective, we can't assume. It's not, that's not what it says. It's not what the word says. So we got to be careful with it. And it's important to think about it. One of the things that I think was really interesting about who God is, and this shows you kind of an overarching of who God is, but I was back there talking to Becky before service, and I had to chuckle because I, was, I had this message 
And what is Ginger up here singing about? The worship music today was about who God is. It was about Christ dying and taking our sin away forever. Then, what was really amusing, so that's worship practice, what was really amusing is I'm sitting here at prayer time before service. Now, this is how amazing the Holy Spirit is. I heard Hope pray. Of course, she didn't know the message. But I heard the words kind of coming out of her mouth is about exhortation and about being loved by God and about the power of who God is. And this message is that. It is about the power of who he is and how great he is. Because the next things are, do you believe that God is big enough to deal with all of who you are? Every failure, every good, bad, and indifferent, and ugly, all of it, is God big enough to deal with who you are? And if those hundred names that I just read you don't convince you that God is big enough to deal with who you are, don't convince you that God loves you and has been interacting with people for thousands of years so that you might know the truth, I don't know what will. We need to look at all he's done for us, sending his own son for us to die on the cross so that we could be saved. That is a God who loves you. That is a God who wants you. That is a God who just desires your presence to be with him. That's amazing, is what that is. Um, Titus 2, 11 and 12. I love this scripture. The grace of God has appeared, offering salvation to all men. That's simple, right? We've heard this. But here's the part that I love even more. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live temperately, justly, devoutly in this age. You know what's amazing about that piece of scripture? Is it says it trains us. You know what that means? We can fail. We will fail. He expects us to fail. The difference is that he expects us to get back up. Because training isn't about walking away. Training is about persistence to get it done, which is really awesome. I love it because I'm a big person. I mean, you know, any of my kids will tell you, I'm kind of a little bit more on the hardcore side. I'm like, let's just do this. We're going to go. And training gets it done. And God expects us because that's the amazing part with that, that scripture. It also speaks, um, I am God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, I am God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus. Okay, think about that. He trains us. We're being recreated every day. There is no expectation of you being perfect. There is only the offering of his love to you to walk with him. That is astounding. I mean, seriously. So this message that I'm giving today, it's not a message that you haven't heard before. The truth is, I'm just trying to open your eyes to see how big God is, how much he has offered us, and how we can be free in him. Um, Psalms 37, 23 and 24 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never 
fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. God is literally holding you by the hand, even as an adult. Now, what's fun for me, because my kids are older, and we don't have really little ones at this moment, but it's fun for me when I look around the church, and I see the really little ones. And you know what I see happen? Mom holding their hand, or dad, and they're walking along, and they come to a step this big. And you know what happens? The kid just kind (laughs) of, and mom is holding them, right? They're not going to make that step. If they get let go, they're going to crash. That is the nature of the children, and that is the nature of God. He holds our hand. He knows we're going to stumble. He expects us to stumble, and yet he's there for us. He loves us as we are, which is amazing. So when I look at these scriptures, the part that I really need you to, and hopefully I'm making it clear, but um, when I look at the scriptures, there are many things in our daily walk that aren't easy, that, that get us to move the wrong direction. Anger, frustration. Honestly, sometimes it's just the busyness of the world. We get so busy, and I've had it happen. I mean, I, yeah, I'm in real estate. There's some days that, honestly, I have lots of time so I can sit down and read my word. The next day, I can't even figure out what direction I'm going because I'm going so many directions. So the thing is, but it's on those days that all of a sudden, what happened if I didn't get up early enough to read my word? Because I usually read my word in the morning. So if I didn't read my word that day, you know what that usually leads to? Not reading my word the next day. Right? Because the habit starts to shift. Oh, I'm, I'm so busy. And that's why I want you to understand kind of where sin is. When we talk about sin and being a slave to sin, it's not about making a mistake. It's not about stumbling. It's not about falling down. Sin gets in when we continue in our failure and we don't repent. That's when sin gets in. It's not in before that. So you can live in complete freedom. You can live just completely free knowing that you are saved by God, that you are saved by Christ Jesus, by what he did for you, very, very easily by recognizing that when you mess up, you turn back around, you repent for God's sake, not for your own, and you start walking the direction you need to walk again. That's what builds it. So Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Holy Spirit is with you, God promises to never leave and never forsake you. It's his promise, straight away. Now the next scripture I'm going to read is that um, it's a little bit longer, but I want you to hear it. It was written by David. It's one of the Psalms, 32. But I think it's interesting because David literally writes pretty much what I'm teaching today which I think is interesting. He says, How blessed is he whose wrongdoing is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is a person whose guilt the Lord does not take into account and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, now this is interesting, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted through my groanings all 
day long. Then he says, for the day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality failed as with a dry heat of summer. And we all know what that has been doing. Okay? Then he says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my guilt. So he's making a true repentance for God's sake. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Now, this was an interesting part for me. Because I think this is a very, very interesting part. It says, in a time when you may be found. This next scripture is really interesting. Certainly, in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. What is he saying? He's saying that when things are good, when you're supposed to be doing your part, then do your part. He's also saying that how can anyone scream out for help when they have been rejecting him the whole time? Now, that doesn't mean God won't hear them. God knows their heart better than I do. I'm not claiming to know that person's heart. I'm telling you that your odds of success are a billion times better when you start today. That's what I'm telling you. Okay, so... He says, certainly, and then he says, you are my hiding place. You keep me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct um, and teach you the way that you should go. I will advise you with my eyes upon you. Do not be like a horse or like a mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include the bit and the bridle and hold them in check. So we need to have understanding. Um, otherwise, they will not come near you. The sorrow of the wicked are many, but the, the one who trusts the Lord, goodness will surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, your righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. So, like I said, th what I'm trying to teach today and what I want people to take home with them today, it isn't about, it isn't necessarily a brand new message you've never heard. What I really want you to pull into your heart is how big God is, how much he loves you, how much he desires your presence, and how you can walk in complete freedom. A failure is not a sin. It's a failure. To not repent is when you allow sin in. That's the problem. Um, the last one I thought, because I just, there's a lot of different scriptures, of course, um, that support this, but 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, Remember, and we've all heard this scripture, I know it. If you've been in church, you've definitely heard this scripture. Remember, the weapons of war, they are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down a strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity in obedience to Christ. Now, the reason I bring that scripture up is because there's two words there that are vital to this scripture. I mean, there's a lot of words there, but here, here, I'm going to read it again. Remember, for the weapons of war, they are not carnal, but mighty in God. Okay, so 
your control of those weapons of warfare against the enemy only happens in God. It's the only place. Okay? For pulling down a strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So think about that. That's all of Satan's attacks. That's all wrapped up right there. And then it says, bringing every thought into captivity in obedience to Christ. In is a powerful word, and we need to recognize it, because that's where we get the freedom. When we're in God, when we're in Christ Jesus, because we've been reading our word, because we've been studying, because we've been pursuing him, your power, he is giving it to you. It's coming straight from him. And it's awesome. And it's beautiful. And if we recognize it, there is so much freedom in that. Because then when the attack of the devil comes against us, we can just smile. I mean, it'll be painful. But you really can lead a free life and say, no, I'm not going to go down that path again. I know who my Savior is. I've often heard Jeff talk about, and he does it frequently, he talks about actually just saying the word of who we are in Scripture. And it's true. And we need to pull that in and recognize that when we're standing in God, and we're standing in Christ Jesus, we are standing in power because he's letting us have it. He's just, it's coming through him to us, which is awesome. Um, in Jude, it says, But you... Beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they were saying to you, in the last times, and by the way, I'm thinking we're headed that way. Now, no predictions, I'm not giving you a date because I don't have a clue. But all I do know is our world is interesting. Um, it says that they were saying to you that in the last times there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. I'd say that's true today. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-mindedness, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his holy glory, blameless with great joy, to our God and Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Is that not awesome? Does that not describe what's happening in our world? I mean, it's amazing to me. Um, what we're going to do, I'm going to have them distribute communion, because this morning we're doing communion. And I want you to, as we go through and have communion, I want you to think about um, who God is to you. I want you to think about those names that I just read. I want you to think about where you're at with your walk with God. Because the purpose of communion, very simply, and you can certainly pray, is a reminder 
of what Christ did for us. That's the whole purpose of why we have communion. So they're going to distribute communion, and then we're going to have communion. And then after that, I'm going to say to most people, it's like, if you have anything that this message has tweaked in your heart, if there's anything that you want prayer for, if you want encouragement, our prayer team will be up right after communion, and we're going to just have some time of prayer. Um, John 6.51, Christ said, I am the living bread that come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for, for the life of the world is my flesh. Christ went to the cross and died for us that we might have freedom, that we might be able to be in heaven with him, that we might know who God is. That is astounding. Um, I also just, at this time, I just want you to think for a moment, too, of when the last time you went to the barber was. Because I want you to think about it. I want you to think... How often must we go back? How often do you get a shower? How often do you clean yourself? How often have you returned to Christ to be cleansed by him? How often have we stepped into the word so that we could receive what he has for us? Those are things that the host and the grape juice represent what Christ did for us. It represents who he is and who he should be in our lives. And we need to make sure that we're returning to him in a very passionate way and reading the word and making it into our hearts so that we can actually do what he needs us to do. Because people often think of sins as the big sins, the big, you know, whatever, shooting somebody, killing somebody, doing, you know, going. But we have to recognize that God is here and he basically created us to commune with him. So when we're not doing our part, yeah, thank you. Thank you. When we're not doing our part, we're essentially choosing to walk in sin just by a, by a mission just because we're not taking the steps we need to take. So, um, as everybody knows, you push down on the little thingy. That gives you a top tab, so you can peel that back. And I want you to just take this, and I want you to think for yourselves in a moment of who Christ is to you. I want you to take it into your heart, and then we'll do the, the grape juice. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you today. We thank you, Father God, for who you are. I ask you that you bless this congregation, Father God. Help them to see you, Father God. Pour out your Holy Spirit as we start going into our prayer time, Father God.
can take the juice. Recognizing that that represents the blood that Christ spilt for us, that he gave up for us so that we might be saved and healed. I want everybody to stand up for a minute, and we're just going to close. And if anybody has honestly anything that they want prayer for, like I said, if it's encouragement that you need, if it's something that has triggered in your heart when you've been thinking about this today as we've been talking about it, I really want you to take just a moment as we're praying and closing out um, to come up if you need to to recognize who God is, and to be blessed. So, you know, what happens when we don't go back to God? What happens when we don't go back to the barber repetition? But when we don't go back to God, what we sin. That's what happens. We step the wrong direction. What happens when we don't spend time with God? We lose track of the direction we're supposed to go, and we sin. If you want that freedom, then just take this moment and this time as we close to really bring it out in your heart, recognize, and take him in. Because Christ Jesus died for us that we could be saved. And I know it's a simple, straightforward message, but that's what was put on my heart to give to you today so that you could see how much there was of him that is available to us that we don't even tap into to understand his love for us. So, all right. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. If you're feeling any weight upon you, if you're feeling anything that you want prayer for, come on up, and then we will pray for you. The rest of everybody, you know what? Be blessed. Have a great weekend. If you want to stay and pray, you're more than welcome to add your prayers to this prayer time and bring that strength in. Um, and we just welcome you up here. But thank you so much for being here today, and I just really hope that the word today has helped you. And I'm just going to pray us and close, and that'll be that. So thank you, Father God, for bringing these people into your house today. Thank you for your presence, Lord God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that just brought not only the words of prayer time together, but the worship, the word that you gave me, Lord God. Your blending of your spirit through this world, Father God, is just amazing to me. I thank you for your power and your presence and who you are. I thank you for your touch, Lord God. I thank you for your son, Christ Jesus, who died in complete and total obedience to you, that we might be saved because we fail, and yet he succeeded. So by his grace, we are saved. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for the opportunity, Father God, to share the word that's on my heart. And I just pray, Lord God, that you touch your people Bring down your spirit, Father God. Help each person as they walk out of here, Father God, to manage the busyness of this life, to manage the, the trials and tribulations that come up, Father God, because I know that you are here. You are available. 
and we honor you for who you are. We thank you, Father God, for what you've done for us. And we thank you in the name of your Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Guys, be blessed. And if there's anything you need, like I said, feel free to come on up for prayer. Thank you so much.